Masechet Pesachim has been dedicated by Mr. Ike J. Shechebar in honor of his grandparents, Mr. Ike and Jeanette Bibi. We bless Mr. Ike Shechebar, who's been a sponsor of the Dafyomi for many uh, days. They should continue to enjoy success, health, and happiness. May his grandparents also enjoy much nachat from him as well as all their grandchildren and may they only share in semachot for the entire family. Amen. Daf Kof Tet Zayim. Today's daf has been dedicated by Mr. Semach Beira in memory of his father Yosef ben Miriam Ruach Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden Amen Today's daf is being studied Le'alun Ishmat Acham Baruch Rafael ben Miriam and Avraham ben Esther Ruach Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden Amen We begin today's daf on Kuftet Vav Amud Bet and we are going to start at four lines from the bottom Amar Shemuel, Lechem Oni. The matzah is referred to as Lechem Oni. That's actually a pasuk in the Torah. It says, Lo tochal alav hametz, Shemaat tamim tochal alav masot, Lechem Oni, ki bi'apazon, Yasatam eris mislain. So the Gemara wants to know, why is the matzah referred to as Lechem Oni? So the Gemara says, in the name of Shemuel, Lechem She'onin Alav Devarim, the bread which we declare many things, which means the bread that we say over the Haggadah, over the Matzah, as well as the Halel. Tanya Namehachir, we have a bride to support this, Lechem Oni, Lechem She'onin Alav Devarim Harbe. So the word oni over here is melashon la'anot, which means it would be to declare or to, or to say. And therefore this is the bread that we say over many things. Many things we'll be referring to as again the um, Haggadah as well as the Halil. That is one interpretation. It's written without a vav. And therefore you could read the pasuk as lechem ani. Just like it's the way of a poor man, that he eats his bread uh, in a broken fashion, which means uh, he doesn't eat a full loaf, either because he doesn't have it, or because he eats a little at a time in order to save it for later. So just like an Ani eats in broken pieces, so too on the night of Pesach, we're supposed to eat the Mansah in a broken piece. What does this mean? Tashbam. Afkan b'frusah, levarech al achilat matzah. So the Rashbam clearly says that when it comes to the berachav al achilat matzah, that berachav is specifically made on the broken piece. As we know, one of the uh, orders of the Seder is we make yachas. We break the matzah in half, let's say, and then we place uh, a piece of it, a smaller piece actually, back in between the uh, other two full matzot. So the Rajbam is telling you that the berachav al achilat matzah specifically is made on the pirusa. It's lechem like an ani. Mm-hmm. However, he says, ushtesh chilemot, but the two uh, full matzot, maitinan mishum hamotzi. There you have to make a motzi the haminaharis on the two full matzot. Why? The lo garam mishari yamim tovim shesarich lebsawa ashtiki karot. Which means, 
The Rashbam says clearly that every Yom Tov you need Lechem Mishneh. So therefore, Ubotseya Me'achatna Shelemot. And therefore, you make the Hamotzi uh, Lechmanalis on the two Shelemot. However, the Al Achilat Matzah is specifically made on the smaller um, uh, piece. And then he says, when you Botseya, you Botseya from one of the Shelemot in order for the Hamotzi. And as well, you would take one from the uh, broken one to fulfill the Achilat Matzah. That is the Shita of the Rashbam. However, this is already subject to a mahloket. Uh, we have the opinion of Rabbeinu Hananel. He holds, she told Shirema Ufusa. He says you just take the full matzah, one complete one, and the broken one, the yipsa and the pirusa. And he says, Bedavka, you are pores on the pirusa, I mean, you make the hamotzi as well on the pirusa. And you also break from it. So there's a, uh, a very important mahloket. Now, according to Shita of Rashbam, you make a berachan the pirusal achilat matzah, but you make the hamotzi on the shenema. According to Tosafot, the hamotzi is made as well on the pirusa. That's a great mahloket. Now, we should read the top Tosafot. Uh, towards the middle of it, Tosfot says Vekashe. After Tosfot clearly tells us that there was Lehem Mishneh as well on as well as Eid uh, Shabbat and also Arbe Yamim Tovim, there was Lehem Mishneh. Meaning in the Midbar when the man came down, the man came down in a double portion on. Uh, Shabbat, that's why we have Lechem Mishneh on Shabbat. And it also came down, he says, on Arbeh Yamim Turim. So Tosfot says, Vekashe. She'anu mitpalelim be'ata kiddashta u'berachto mikol ha'yamim ve'kiddashto mikol ha'zemanim. In the Tefillah of Shabbat, we say how God blessed the Shabbat and was mekadesh the Shabbat more than any other time. Ve'amar, and it says in the Mechilta, be'man berachto be'man kiddesho. God blessed the Shabbat with an extra measure of man, and He sanctified it with extra measure of man. Mashma b'yom tov man yored. It's mashma that on yom tov the man would fall, and the, which means Shabbat is exclusive, having a double portion on the erev. So He says v'chen ayanu egarav menachem yoniv rav yom tov shayu mevarchin akol ala perusa. And for that reason, the custom of these ba'alit uh, tosfot they would make the Hamotzi as well on the Pirutza. Because they held there was no Lechem on Yom Tov. Lechem was a specific uh, item for Arbeh Shabbatot. Like we said, Takedashta, Ubirachta, Mekodei Amim, Mekodei Zemanim. So there's the Mahloket and these Rishonim, what exactly happened on Arbeh Yamim Tovim. Comes the Gemara and continues. Tavar Acher. Another interpretation, Ma Darkoshil Ani Hu Masik Ve Ishto Ofa, Afkaname, Hu Masik Ve Ishto Ofa. How does an Ani make his bread? Well, he uses two people. He uh, fuels the oven while his wife is uh, baking. Why? Because the Ani has a limited amount of wood. So they can't afford to have one person put the uh, fire in the oven, the wood in the oven, and then go start making the uh, bread. 
and the dough, because you're going to use a lot of fuel. So therefore they synchronize it that the uh, Ani, the husband, he works the oven, and the second he gets the fire working, she right away brings it into um, to bake it. So just like the Ani bakes his bread with two people, meaning the way we'll explain it is they do it in a very quick way, so too the matzah also has to be done in the same fashion. Let's read the Rashbam. Right, they put it right in the oven once it starts to get hot. We're worried that they're worried that the oven might cool off before they get the bread in there. Which means they're trying to say that you have both of them working quickly in order that it doesn't become hamis. Now Rashbam saying you don't necessarily need two people to make the matzah. He just tried to show you it's a, in a concept that you should do it quickly so it doesn't become hametz. However, it should be uh, pointed out that the Rosh brings down from Rav Haigaon that he says that there was Ba'ale Ma'aseh and Hasidim Timimim. He calls them that are Mahmir on themselves that what? That they themselves bake the matzah. They don't just go buy matzah let somebody else make the matzah because they take the Gemara literally. When the Gemara says to just like Dani, he himself bakes his own bread, so too there's an inyan to bake your own matzah. As a matter of fact, the Ma'aram um, Halawa uh, says, as well as brought down in the Shohan Aruch, that the Asiyah of the Matzot is a mitzvah, the Ra'ui lechol Adam litapil ba'atzum mitzvah. Ma'aram says that every person should at least try to involve himself in some manner in the baking of the matzah. What's the source of this? It's the Gemara, that's what's called Lehem Oni, Lehem Ani. That has to be the way like the Anim do it. Just like they get involved in the own baking, so too once you get involved in the actual baking of the matzah. Comes the Gemara and continues. So the Gemara said, well, you have to have haroset on the table. However, it's not a mitzvah. So the Gemara says, V'hi lav mitzvah. Mishu my mighty lab. It's not a mitzvah. What are you bringing it for? So Amar Rab Ameh Mishum Kappa. So we said again the Kappa. The Kappa we explained was that um, poison that was in the um, in the maror and when in the maror and when you dip it in the haroset, it neutralizes that um, that Kappa. Comes the Gemara now discusses uh, different. Things had to neutralize this kappa. Amar kappa de hasa hama. The way you neutralize the kappa in the hasa and the lettuce is through hama. The the Rashbam says misha achal haseret halal. He got sick. Bishvila kappa yochal snon. He should eat a radish. So after you eat the haseret, uh, you didn't uh, neutralize it. So you got sick. So the only way to undo that is you have to eat a radish. Then the Gemara says, "Kapa de hama karti." If a person got kapa from eating radishes, so then the way to solve that is to eat karti. That would be the leeks. And then he says, "Kapa de karte," the kapa that you get from eating leeks, hamime. That's to eat something like maim hamin, hot water will get rid of the kappa of the karti. And then the Gemara says, kappa de kuleu, actually the kappa 
that uh, that from any vegetable, the way to cure it is hamimeh. Boil water and uh, drink it, and that will neutralize it. In the interim, while the water is boiling, say the following, Kapa, kapa. I remember you, and your seven daughters, and your eight daughters-in-law. Now this is of course a lahash again, there's no, uh, we can't make sense of these uh, sayings of it, but it's a singular to say these words at the time in order to neutralize the kappa itself. Now, the Urzarua brings down that that's why some had the custom on the second night of Pesach to bake fresh matzot in order that they will be hot because they know you're eating maror on the second night so when you have the maror you'd follow it up with a hot uh, matzah in order to neutralize the kappa comes the and says Rabbi El-Azhar Rabbi Sadok Omer Mitzvah he said indeed it's a mitzvah to eat the haroset my mitzvah so the Gibran says what mitzvah is this exactly Rabbi Levi Omer Zecheh to remember the apple. What apple? So the Rashbam says, the Masechet Sota, Shayu Yoldot Sham The Jewish ladies used to give birth in, under the apple trees in Misraim. Belo Etzeb, without any pain. Shelo Yakiru Ben Misraim. They did that in order that the Egyptians would not recognize the fact that they're giving birth. So therefore, in order to remember that miracle that the Jewish ladies used to go and give birth under the apple tree, so we eat haroset uh, that's made from apples, in order to remember, so it's a mitzvah, it's part of the zechir yisiyat v'slaim, it's part of the mitzvah to remember the experience. He says that's to remember the, the cement, or the mud, that's the consistency of the haroset. It's like a, you know a, a thick consistency that reminds you of the teeth. Amar Abaye elkach sarich lekehuya v'sarich lesimuche. You need both. You need the haros to be tart, meaning by putting apples in it, and you also need it to be thick in consistency. And the Gemara explains lekehuya zeche latapuah. The tartness that zechel tapuah for the apple, the sarich l'sumche zechel l'tit, and to remember the tar and the cement. Tanya kevated Rabbi Yochanan. We have a brayta to support Rabbi Yochanan, right? Rabbi Yochanan said it's zechel l'tit because he says tevalin zechel l'teven. The custom was also to put like spices into the haroset that reminds us of the straw that they used to have. Some people have the custom to put, let's say, strings of cinnamon in the, uh, cinnamon sticks that look like the straw that was used in uh, Misraim. Haroset, zechelatit. And the haroset itself in its consistency is zechelatit. Amar Rabbi El-Azhar Rabbi Tzadok. Kachayu Omrim, this is the way they used to say, Tagare harach, which literally means the window vendors of Yerushalayim. What were these window vendors? They used to sell their wares, but the Mephashim explained they used to sell the goods through the window, because there was so much traffic in the marketplace that they couldn't sell the goods through the front door, because there was too much traffic walking back and forth, so they needed to just you know send the goods through the window. So they would call them the window vendors, the harach, tagare harach, Harak comes from the Lashon and Shira Shirim, Mitzitz Mina Harakim. Harakim is like a window. Somebody looks through the peeks through the window. 
In any event, what would they used to say? They would say, come and buy for yourselves spices for the mitzvah. Which mitzvah were they referring to? The mitzvah of the Haros, that the Tosafot says over here in the second Tosafot, Sarikh Lesumchev, Sarikh Lekeyuyeh, Ubiyirushalmi Amar, Eat the Avde Zechel Adam. Some uh, make the haroset in a red uh, manner to remind us of the dam, either the makav dam or the blood of the Jewish people that was spilled in Egypt. And that's why they refer to the haroset as tibulo b'mashke. Because since it's zechel adam, so therefore it has a deen of dam, and therefore, it says the din of Tibulo, the Meskin, if we have to wash, the uh-huh. Lachadayim first. That's why you're calling it that. Vechen Amadabar. That's the custom. Lissimuche. To make it uh, thick. Ubishat Achila, Mikalshino Tobiyayin, the Homets. They make it thick originally, then right before they eat it, they pour wine in it in order to make it like a little uh, watery. And that actually would be the Zecher Ladam. Not because the wine is reddish. There you go. Once you have the wine already, that's what makes it a uh, dean of Tibulo B'mashkeh. Because wine is one of the seven mashkeh. But you're about to go in the Mepharesh, Tarasot Haros Beperot, Shinedmei Leknesi Yisrael, Beshir HaShirim. The Jewish nation was compared to many different fruits in Shir HaShirim. You should use all those fruits in the Haroset. Ta'atan Tapu'ar Atikha, Kefela Harimon, that would be a pomegranate, Ta'atena Haneta, that would be the fig, Amarti Ha'alebe Tamar, that would be the dates, Egoz, Ginat Egoz Yarati, that would be the walnut, Ushkedim, Asim Shishakad, Kalos Baruch Hu Alakets. Shakad, God speeded up the end of time. Instead of being in Egypt for 400 years, Shakad, He speeded up the process, and therefore they would use also Shekedim, which would be almonds. So each one has a different custom to put different uh, fruits in there. Now, uh, the Rambam uh, holds, and he writes it, um, where does he write it? Nefirusha Mishnayot. He says, according to Rabbi Al-Azhar, Rabbi Tzadok, that says the haros is a, is a mitzvah, you have to make a barakah when you eat the haroset. Asher, Kedeshar, Mustafa, Sivanu, Al-Akhilat Haroset. And of course, it's a, it's a mitzvah like everything else. And uh, he then writes that Al-Akha does not, and I'm sorry, right. he said that Al-Akha does not follow Rabbi Al-Azhar, Rabbi Tzadok. The Mishneh uh, Torah, in Mishneh Torah, in Rambam writes, that haroset mitzvah medivre sofrim. He clearly writes that it's a mitzvah, medvreh sofrim, zechel latit shayu osim emisraim, and he didn't mention the fact that you have to make a beracha. So first of all, we see he retracted from his opinion in the Pirusha Mishnayot, because he's telling you it is a mitzvah. Oh, so if it is a mitzvah, how come you don't make a beracha? So therefore, the Me'idi uh, says that you have to say that the Rambam is Choserbo. You have to say it was Choserbo. Meaning from what he said that Lachaz not going to be the But then he asked, if he's Choser, why come you don't make a Berachah Shekadeshanu? So, some want to say that the Rambam really didn't say the Berachah because Safek Berachot. He didn't want to enter a Safek. Meaning he said, listen, eat the Haroset because according to one opinion, it's a mitzvah even. However, I'm not going to make you make a berachah because since the rabbis hold, it's not a mitzvah. So therefore, he opted to play it safe when it came to the uh, berachot. That's the three hadas says. Harambam b'shar b'safek ufichach pasak shi mitzvah v'al in the barich aleha. That says the three hadas. Comes the next mishnah. Huh? 
Can it add? They would eat it separately if you held it was a mitzvah. You needed to eat it alone first. Besides the impact that it had on the maror, the chaura, you had to eat it separately. That's right, because otherwise it's just part of the uh, part of the maror. Good point. Rabbi Yes, that would be like Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Sadok. Yes, Rabbi Elazar Sadok. That's him. He says mitzvah. No, Everybody agrees when we say mitzvah the harot, it's not mitzvah the banan. It's not a mitzvah the right. Okay, comes the next mishnah. Comes the next mishnah and says, Mazgulo kosheni. Okay, now they would pour the second kos, right in the seder. That's right before the haggadah. Vechan ben shoel aviv. And at this point, the son asks the father. What does he ask the father? So uh, the Rashbam says, "Kam b'mzigat kosheni haben shuelet abiv imhu hakam manishtana achshav shemuskim kosheni kodem achila." I mean, some say the question is not the manishtana that we have. It's a stomach question. What are you pouring the second cup before the meal? Which is, you have your first cup now. He wants to know what are you pouring the second cup. We didn't. We didn't eat yet, so he's a little confused. So that's the question that this Mishnah is referring to. When it says, Meaning, just like when it says, which means, meaning, it's a, it, it's proper for the child to ask. So therefore he would learn Mazgula Koshini Vechan or he would read it Vechen Haben Shuel. It is then proper at this point for the son to ask the question. So as Bob's learning the question is why are we having a a uh, a second uh, a second cup? Uh, that's the way uh, that she says well, actually we could read it as she Actually, she has a little different view than the Rashbam. That she says, "Kam b'mzigat kosheni haben shuelet abiv man nishtana." Akshav shemuzgim kosheni kodem achira. So again, that's the same point. The same point is he's asking the man nishtana why you're pouring the second cup again before you uh, eat. Uh, the Nimukei Yosef explains because. Um, the son at this point thinks that this is going to be kosher katamazon. So he doesn't understand. He's how you make it cost with katabazon, and you didn't uh, you didn't eat anything yet. So that's his um, that's his problem. So comes the Gemara Mishnah continues. Let's say the son doesn't have enough intellect to ask these uh, questions. So the father prompts him or teaches him. And he teaches him uh, the following. Why is this night different than all of the nights? On all of the nights we can eat either hametz or matzah. But tonight is all matzah. On all of the nights we have an option to eat all other vegetables. But tonight it is only maror. Normally on other nights we're able to eat either roasted, shaluk would be very cooked, 
or mevushas regular cook. Halayla zeh kolot sali. But tonight it's all roasted. Shebechol alelot. Anu, and we would go with the text on top. Metabelim pamachat. All nights we dip once. Halayla zeh shetef aramim. But tonight we dip twice. Ufi datos shel ben. According to the intellect of the son, So the father will teach him. Which means each father, when he answers these questions to his child, has to be according to his uh, intellect. She's a smarter child. Obviously, you can go deeper into the subject. A child's more elementary. So after you have to be make it more simple. So the Gemara now tells you the style of the Haggadah. The style of the Haggadah starts off with the Genut, which is the negative things, which we'll see. And then it ends up with Sheba, with praising of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So again, we begin with Israel's disgrace, that's the Genut, and we end up with Israel's glory, which is the Sheva. And the thrust of the Haggadah is the Pesukim that find themselves in Parashat Kitabo, starting from the Pasuk Arami Oved Avi, which talks about Yaakov Abinu uh, by his father-in-law's house, Laban, and then the subsequent Pesukim that talk about the story of Yisiat Misraim. Now actually that Pasuk was written in uh, the context of the Mitzvah Bikurim, when one brings his first fruits to Yerushalayim, to the Kohen. But at that point, he not only thanks God for giving him first fruit, but he also thanks God for all the miracles that God did to our forefathers in Egypt. So therefore, those are the Pesukim that we are Doresh during the Haggadah, that we expound on. Let's um, let's read the Tosafot for a second. Halayla maror. And so the child asks that tonight it is maror. Which means when it came to the other questions, we said So why don't we say So he says Because you have the celery, you have the kalpas when it comes to the bodishon. So that wouldn't be a proper question to say That's not so. The next Tosfot says But we say that tonight it's only Exclusively roasted. If you remember, we learned earlier in the Masikh that Ben Tema's opinion is that the Hagiga that's brought on Yudal also has to be roasted. So, therefore, this Mishnah must be going like Ben Tema, because we say Kulot Sali, not only the Kurban Pesa, but also the Hagiga of Yudal also has to be Kulot Sali, has to be roasted as well. Now, the Rashash has a question over here. The Rashash says, what do you mean the child is asking a question that tonight we only eat sali? That's not so. During the meal, if they want to have regular basar that's not roasted, it's permissible. So why does the child say kulo sali? So he answers that we're talking about now in the beginning of the seder what the child sees on the table. All he sees is the basar of the Quran Pesach and the basar of Hagigah. He doesn't see what's uh, coming out yet. So therefore he's only asking according to what is in front of him. Now, of course the question can be asked on this Mishnah, and the government Vilna says it, that how come we don't ask the question about Haseba? 
you know, all year long we eat in any way we want. But tonight we're eating exclusively, leaving. So the Gaon de Vilna answers that this uh, is referring to the times, obviously, of the Beta Mikdash. Uh, why? Because you see, they're questioning about the Korban Pesach. Now, in the times of the Beit Hamikdash, it was customary to eat all year long reclining. So, therefore, the fact that everybody was reclining really wasn't such a uh, novelty to the child. And uh, furthermore, he said, "Is an to ask four questions?" So in our generation where there's no Qurban Pesach, so we take out the Qurban Pesach question, the Sli question, and we insert the Haseba question as well. Now, the Mishnah said, according to the knowledge of the child, so that's the way the father has to teach him. So the Rambam writes, worthy to quote the Lashon of the Rambam, Ketzad, the father tells the son, Beni, if he has servants in his house, he actually should point to them to show the child so he has a visual uh, aid to understand exactly what it means. The child is mature and he's wise. That is an interesting Tamidir Rashba over here. Tamidir Rashba says that if the child is a Pikeyah, which means you can even teach him the Alachot, and with teaching the Alachot, you'll be Yotzeh, the obligation of. The Haggadah Vigata Libencha. Now, the um, Gemara begins. Gemara says, Tanu Rabbanan. We have a Braita. Hakam Beno. If the son is a Hakam, is intelligent, Shualo. So then already the son will ask the questions. And he'll say the Manashtana. V'im eno hakam, ishto sho'alto. His wife will ask the questions. Now, there's an interesting Sefer HaKinuch. The Sefer HaKinuch says that Nashima hayavot b'yisiyat misraim. B'yisipur yisiyat misraim. So someone will bring a proof from over here from this Gemara. But if the son can't ask the questions, the wife asks the questions. Ella must be that she's obligated. So the Manashtinuch says no. You have no proof from here. I'll tell you, really, the husband is obligated. But what? Somebody has to ask him a question in order that he can start his answering. So therefore, could be she's just setting him up to fulfill his obligation. The imlav. Now, even if the wife, let's say, is not capable of asking, so the Gemara says, "Who shoel le'atzmo?" Because he's then already has to ask himself. Now, obviously, we see. That the, the way of the night is that they want it to be in a question and answer form. So therefore, he has to ask himself. Even if you have two scholars that are fluent in Halachot Pesach, they ask each other. Now again, you see the fact that the Gemara says uh, that they know Halachot Pesach. What does Yilchot Pesach have to do with Sipur Yisab Mislaim? So, you see over there, you can be Yotzeh Yisab Mislaim through discussing the Halachot of 
Pesach. And that's actually the opinion of the uh, Briskarov. He says that the Inyan of Hilchot uh, Pesach is also part of Sipur Yisiat Misraim. Now again, uh, the Mishnah Berurah does have a Yisod over here, which should be pointed out. And we said this already, that since the Pasuk writes, Ve'ayakish Alecha Bincha, Right? So from there we learn that the whole Siddur should be in a question and answer form. That's why they're saying if the child can't ask it and the wife asks it, because we're trying to get the uh, Siddur in a question and answer form. Uh, the famous Hidush of Rav Chaim Soloveitchik, that he writes that that's one of the differences between Sipuri Yisiyah Misraim on Leil Pesach to the yearly or the nightly obligation or daily obligation of Zechel Yisiyah Misraim. All year long, when we have to mention Zechel Yisiyah Misraim, it's just a statement. But on Leil Pesach, it has to be Bederech She'ela Uchuba. It has to be in a question and answer. That's what separates uh, this Hayuv from the Hayuv of all year long. Kavz Gibran says, Manishtana Alayla Zemi Kola Lelot Shibekola Lelot Anu Mitabelin Pamahat. All year long we dip once. Alayla Zeshete Paramin. But tonight we dip twice. But Kifla Rava. Rava asks a question. Atu Kolyoma Lo Sagya Delo Mitabela Hadazimna. But all year long, you have to dip once. I mean, the sun is already setting down a postulate. All year long, we dip once. Why do you have to dip once? Is there an obligation every night of the year to dip uh, once? Why does the, uh, you know, uh, question accept that you have to dip once? This is what he meant to say. Which means we're not obligated to even dip once. However, on this night, we're obligated, not once, but we're obligated twice. So the Gibran is Matkif, not of Safra. There's a Hayu for the children? Now what is this question? The way that Ashbam understands this question is as follows. How can you tell me there's a hayuf to dip twice? The first dipping we said you only do it is in order to make a heker for the tinokot. In order to get the tinokot to ask. But that's not really a uh, hayuf. The hayuf is really the maror into the harot, that's the obligation. So you're going to tell me that anyan to make a heker so the tinokot are going to ask that already makes it a hayuf. So that's the way the Rajbam understands. Let's read that in the Rajbam, three lines on the bottom. The reason why we did the first time is just to do something different to get the kids to ask. We call that a hayuf. So the Gemara says, So change the question, make it like this. Which is take out the word Hayav. In the last version it said that all year long we're not Hayav to dip even once. And tonight we are Hayav twice. Take out the word Hayav. And read it like this, that all year long we don't dip even once. And tonight we dip twice. Now, one of them is Hayuf, and one of them is just for a kid. So that's the way... Nirajbam would understand it. 
Others, however, have a different understanding of that question when it says, Who's asking the question? The child. Does the child have an obligation to dip it all? He's a katan. He's patur. So when, how can the child come along and ask a question and say, Oh, tonight we have an obligation. You don't have an obligation. You're a katan. A katan is patur. So that's the question. The question isn't even on the maror. He's not hayav. So that's the Gemara. Okay, you're right. Take out the word hayav. That is a big nafkamina between the Rajbam and the second interpretation I gave you. What about if the katan is not available? So we said the gadol, let's say, will say the questions to himself. According to this last shot I told you, the gadol will then be able to say, Hayaf, because indeed, he is Hayaf. But according to the Rajbam, the Rajbam's point is, no, it's going on the first tibilah. The first tibilah is only for Heker. So therefore you can't say there's a Hayuf to dip twice. Even a gadol will not be able to say to, to dip uh, twice. Because bottom line, you can't say Hayav. That's only done for Heker. So be a nafkamina between the interpretations. What would be if a gadol would uh, want to say the Manishtana? Uh, Comes the Gemara and continues. Matheel bignut umisayim b'shebah. So we start off with the uh, genut, where we talk about the um, the disgrace of uh, the Jewish people. Umisayim b'shebah. We explained he knows that you're going to dip twice, because we explained according to the Tosafot, if you remember, that when they take out the when they take away the ke'ara, he covers the way you're taking the ke'ara. So the father says, don't worry, we're bringing it back to dip again. And then the son says, hey, what are you dipping again? All year long, we don't even dip once until tonight. So that's the way, already we explained from Tosafot, that he knows uh, his uh, fact that we're dipping twice. So the Gebrah says, my bignut, what's this gignut that you start the Haggadah of, this disgrace of Qa'i Israel? Rav Amar, of the Avodat, Gilulim, Ayu, Avotenu. And you start off with, with we have an hour text in Haggadah, Mittahila, of the Avodat Zara, Ayu, Avotenu. We talk about how Abraham Abinu, even uh, before he uh, 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 became a monotheist, he worshipped Avodat Zara as well. And we start with that. Ushmuel Amar Abadim Ayinu. She was no, no, no. You don't start from all the way Avram Abinu. You start from Abadim Ayinu, meaning the fact that we were slaves in Egypt. Now, what's the Machloket uh, over here? So the Tzvah says everybody agrees you have to say both these paragraphs in Agada. The question is, where do you start from? Do you start from Mitahila or do you start from Abadim Ayinu? Now, the Tzvah also explains the Sevarav the Machloket. He says Rav says you have to explain according to the chronological order. Our history started from Avraham Avinu, whereas Shemuel says, no, you start from the miracle. Well, where was the miracle? The miracle is in the science. So I go to Egypt. That's the night, that's the purpose of the night. Comes the Gemaran says, Amar le Rav Nachman le Daru Avdeh. Rav Nachman on the night of the Seder, he told his servant Daru. He asked him a question. Avda de mapik le mare le herut. He told him, a servant that his master grants him freedom. And he gives him silver and gold. What does he have to tell him? What's the obligation of such a servant to his master? So that who said, What do you mean? He has to thank him and he has to praise him. 
Amar le, so according to this text, that the Amar told him, Patatan melomar manishtana. You've exempted us from the manishtana, patag ve amar abadim ayinu. So he started from the parak abadim ayinu. Now what does this mean over here? Just because he asked, Rav Nachman asked his servant this question, and the servant answered, yes, you're obligated to praise and to thank, why would that exempt them from manishtana? In truth, if you look at the Rajbam on the bottom, Patar ve'amar le'achar she'elat ha'bin. The Rajbam says, after the son asked the questions, he'tchilomar abadim ayinu. Which means, it seems from the Rajbam and the Poskims and the Mephashim says, he did not have this text. Which is, he did not have the words, amar le'patartan me'lomar manishtana. Why did Patuta say Manashtana? Just because he asked the question to Daru Abde, what's it going to do with the Manashtana? Elad Rajbam says, he started off with Daru, right, asking the question, then the son asked the Manashtana, and then he continued with the Abadim Ayinu. Now, why would he start off with asking the Ayyavid? So the Mephaisim explained, because that's the whole purpose of the night, to bring it to reality to the children. So therefore, he had the uh, luxury of having an avid sitting at his table. So therefore, he asked him a question to make it real life to the child. But not that because he asked the question that automatically they exempted him from the hayuv. So therefore, uh, he still would have to say the manishtana uh, as the rajbam um, uh, says. Others also want to say over here from the rajbam, when it says Patah Daman Lahar Shailata Ben, Hitrilomar Abadima Inu, the Gomera Gada Beshiba Modakilomar, Ken Asalar Gosbaruku, Shinu Abadim was Shana Mishab, and as Bam continues, like we said, that's what God did to us, we were slaves, and he took us out. But the Mefarshim uh, explained that the Hadush of the Rajbamir as well is that once the child is the Manishtana, you don't have to go repeat the Manashtana. Because the Rajbam We don't think that it's an obligation that every guy says the Manashtana himself. The child says the Manashtana, finished, you're exempt, and then you can already continue the Haggadah itself. Now the Hidah here in the Sefer Petah Inayim has an interesting question. The Hidah says, um, when Rabbi Nachman asked his servant, he said, listen, if a master gives you freedom and gives you uh, silver and gold, what's your obligation? Obviously, the Nachman was trying to compare Ami uh, Sayyid's exodus to this question. So the Haidah but not so. Because the Jewish people received the money before they became free. So he should have said, what if your master gives you money first and then frees you? If you really wanted to keep the mashal, uh, exact. So the Haidah says no. That even though the Jewish people received the money before they left Egypt, but they still had a deen of slaves. And the deen is Masha Kanar Evid Kanarabo. Whatever the Evid owns, the master owns. So they didn't own the money until after the Hairut. So technically the Hairut was first and then the money became theirs. So therefore Abdama was asking Daru there. If a master frees his slave first and then he gives him money, that was exactly the way it happened in Messiah. Comes the Gemaran continues. Actually it's the next Mishnah. Maditin. Rabban Gamliel, Ayah Omer, Rabban Gamliel used to say, 
כל שלא אמר שלושה דברים אלו בפסח, לא יעשה ידי חובתו, ואלו הן פסח, מסע ומרור. What obligation are we referring to? If a person didn't say these three things, he does not fulfill his obligation. So the Ram writes in his Perush that you didn't fulfill these mitzvot according to the halakha. Meaning Pesach, Matzah, Maror. It's not enough to eat the Qurban Pesach and eat the Matzah, the Maror. You actually have to discuss them. You have to explain the reasons uh, for them. So the Maharsha explains why are these mitzvot different than any other mitzvah. Normally when you do a mitzvah, you're not obligated to elaborate and give a pirush on the mitzvah. It's a ritual. You eat the matzah. Here we have to explain why we're eating the matzah, what happened with the pesah. So the Gaon Maharsha says like this, because the Jewish people that came out of Egypt, they were a hook from the Kedushah. They were far away from any vestige of holiness. And therefore, they had to come close to the Kedushah. And these mitzvot over here, are the three mitzvot that are connected to Tum'ah that they had in Mitzvahim that brought them closer. And therefore he says you need Zechirah Bapeh. Which is, we're commemorating also how these mitzvot brought us closer to the Baruch so you actually have to verbalize it itself. Now, the Ran does say that it doesn't mean you're not Yotzeh at all. Which is, let's say a guy ate the Matzah, and he didn't mention Matzah Zush, Anachnu Ochlim, and give the whole Pirush. The Ran says, לא יצא ידי חובתו, meaning לא יצא כראוי, but you are יוצא According to Aruch Lamer, he quotes from the Tosafot, that לא יצא מן התורה. These pirushim that we're going to say now can affect the actual mitzvah from the Torah of these three. Yes, מעקב דהוראיתה, according to the Tosafot. And now the Mishnah explains. So again, Pesach, it's called Pesach, Masah is the Masah, and Maror is the bitter herbs. Pesach, al shum shepasach amakom al bate avotenu bemisraim. So why do we have the Pesach? Because Borei Olam passed over the homes of our forefathers in Mislam Shnei Amar, v'amartem zebach Pesach ula Hashem, that you shall proclaim. For me, you see that you actually have to proclaim it. That's the source, v'amartem. That's how you know that you have to actually verbalize these things. The Tosafot speaks out that we know that Matzah Marora compared to Pesach. So once we have a Pesach that says, Pesach, so the same obligation would be to Matzah and Maror. Asher Pesach. Now, Matzah al-Shum. What's the reason why we eat the Matzah? Shenigahlu avotenu mimislayim. Because the Jewish people, when they were redeemed out of Mislayim, Shneimar vayofut abatzek asher otziu mimislayim. Because when they baked the dough, and they came out of Islam and did not have a chance to rise. Now it's interesting to point out, even though the obligation to eat the matzah was given before this ever happened. Which we got already the chayuf to eat matzah in the uh, beginning of Rosh Nisan already when we started to learn all the laws of Pesach Mislayim. And I have to say that Borei Olam gave us the law on the uh, understanding, obviously, that these events were going to transpire. Maror. So the Maror is eaten because our lives were embittered. They embittered our lives. The Mishnah then goes on to another halakha in every generation. As if that he himself came out of Mishnah. 
as the pasuk says, you'll tell your children on that day, Ba'avur li, God did for me, Beseti And therefore on that night, that's why we lean, and that's why we act in a very uh, uh, free manner, because we have to believe, we have to truly understand that as if we ourselves left Mislaim. Ulkales. These are all different words of praises. Some have nine different words of praise. Tosafot's Gersa was seven words of praise. Kenegad the seven Rikiim in Shabaim. But either way, because God did all these miracles, it's our obligation to praise Him uh, immensely. To the one that did to our forefathers and to us, all these miracles. That's from uh, bondage into freedom. That would be uh, from sorrow to joy. Morning to festivity. Darkness to great light. That would be from servitude to redemption. Venomar lefanav, hallelujah. Now, venomar lefanav, nomar is a future tense. And therefore, we are going to say in front of you, hallelujah. What is that referring to? The halil. And the next part of the gada is the beginning of the halil. Tosfot had a little different girsa. Tosfot's girsa in this text of the gada was veneemar lefanav. Meaning, and we said in front of you. Meaning, we're referring to this song that we sang when we came out of Egypt. Bin Imad is past tense. <laughs> Which means we sang praises in front of you at the time that we came out of the sun. That's referring to the Az Yashin Moshe, etc. So either Bin Omar is referring to what we're going to do now, or Bin Imad is what we did. And now, the uh, Mishnah tells us the obligation of the Halil during the Sa'udah. So the Mishnah says, Ad hechan hu omir. Well, you're going to start the Halil now. Right? Hallelujah is the first word of the Halil. How far do you have to go in the Halil before the Sa'udah? So it says, Ad hechan hu omir. Ad em banim semeha. According to Bet Shammai, that's the first paragraph. Em banim semeha. Hallelujah. You read one paragraph before the Milu. Bet Halil omnim. Ad halamish. That would be until the end of the second paragraph of Beset Yisrael. Obviously, Halakha follows Bet Hillel, and that's the way we do it. We read the first two paragraphs of the uh, Hillel. Now, everybody agrees that you make a Beracha at the end, right before the drinking of the second course, and you make a Hatima, meaning you have to end with a Beracha. So comes the Gemara and says, the Mishnah says, actually we have a machloket, how to end this beracha. The Bitarfon Omer, Asher ge'alanu ve'ga'al abotenu mimisraim. Which means you start saying the beracha, you redeemed us, you redeemed our forefathers from Mishraim, ve'lo haya chotem. But you don't end with that, you don't end. Which means you start with a beracha, Asher ge'alanu ve'ga'al abotenu, finish. Because he holds this is like a beracha ketzara. And the rule is on a small beracha that talks about, let's say, one subject, you don't open with baruch and end with baruch. You just, uh, you just open with baruch and that's the closing as well. That's shitat rabbi tarfon. 
רבי עקיבא אומר, רבי עקיבא says, כן השם אלוהינו ולא אבותינו. So to God, um, of our God and God of our forefathers, יגיענו למועדים ולרגלים אחרים. You should reach us and bring us to מועדים, that's holidays, that would be like Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, that would be a מועד, uh, that would be a מועד, ולרגלים, would be the שלוש רגלים, הבאים לכתנו שלום, that will uh, greet us in peace. שמחים במדיין העיראק, will be glad about the rebuilding of your city, ששים בעבוד התק, and joyful in your service, ונאכל שם מן הזבחים ומן הפסחים, and we will eat from the זבחים and פסחים. Now, the order is very careful over here. First, זבחים, then פסחים, תוספות points out, because the halakha says, first you would eat the קורבן שלמים, that's חגיגה, you dalid that would be the zibachim in order to get full right and then you would eat the pesachim which is the korban pesach and neichal al asavah and then it says ad baruch atah Hashem ga Yisrael which is a biakiva has a hatima Tosfot says we have a rule when you have a mahloket Rabbi Akiva against a colleague, in this case it's Rabbi Akiva against Rabbi Tarfon, halakha ken Rabbi Akiva mehavero. And therefore, since it's havero, the halakha would say, and that's our halakha as well, we do make a hatima. Rabbi Akiva considers this beracha a beracha aruka. It's a long beracha, therefore it follows the rules of what? Opening with baruch and closing with baruch as well. Correct. That was the text of the Beracha. Comes the Gemara and says, Amar Rava. Rava says, Sarih Shiyomar Veotanu Hotsi Misham. Meaning, in this obligation of Hayav Adam, the Rotatat Smoke, Yuli Yatsam, and Misraim, you must quote the Pasuk. Where is this Pasuk? This Pasuk actually is in Devarim Vav Chav Gimal. The Pasuk says, Ve'otanu, Hotsi, Misham, Nemar Avi, Otanu, Latetanu, Te'aris, Hashem, Ishmael, Avotenu. What does the Pasuk say? Ve'otanu, Hotsi, Misham. God, you took us out. That is the Pasuk that also shows that we have to have the attitude as if we ourselves left. Comes the Gemara and continues. Amarava, Matzah, Sadiq, Lagbiyah. When you get to the paragraph that expounds about the reason why we eat the matzah, you have to lift up the matzah. You have to, you know, lift it up to show it to all the people that are around the seder. Umaror sarik lagbiya, as well as the maror, you have to lift it up. Basar in sarik lagbiya. But when it comes to the korban pesach, you do not lift up the basar. Now we learned earlier that today that we don't have korban pesach, we do have shnit tafshirim. Two cooked foods, and some said two pieces of meat. One zekel the korban pesach, one zekel the korban hagiga. So the Gemara saying you do not lift up the basar. Why? Says because it's going to look like you're eating korbanot outside of Jerusalem. Because to come along and pick up the basar and say pesach al shuma. As if you're saying that this is Kormat Pesach. So somebody might think that what? That you sanctified this animal when it was still alive. And then it has a Kiddushah of Pesach. So then when it comes to Kormat Pesach, we leave it on the table. We don't even make any gestures towards the Kormat Pesach. So we shouldn't make a mistake in the thinking that it is indeed sanctified as a Kormat. Comes the Gemara and continues. A blind man is exempt from saying the Haggadah. How do we know this? It says by Haggadah, it says the word Zeh. 
Uchtivatam, it says by a ben soreru more, that's the rebellious child that his parents have to take him to the Bedin. Benenuze. It says this child, Malalan, Pratlesome, Afkan, Pratlesumin. Would you just like Ben Surah from the fact that it says Ben Enuzeh, it seems that they're pointing to him and the parents see him. I mean, the parents have to point out their son in front of the bed and they say Ben Enuzeh. That means obviously the parents have eyesight. So just like it says the word Zeh, by a Ben Surah we learn to exclude somebody that's blind. So too when it says Ba'avur Zeh, it says by the Haggadah, so too we learn to exclude somebody that does not have eyesight. So from here, the Rashbam learns the Gezerah Shavah, Zeh Zeh. That what? That somebody that is a Somme is exempt. Ini, we have a contradiction. The Ha'amar Moremor. Moremor said, She'altinu the Rabbanan Deber Rav Yosef. I asked the rabbis of the yeshiva of Rav Yosef, who incidentally was blind. Man the Amar Agata Be Rav Yosef. Who is the uh, one that read the Haggadah in Rav Yosef's house? Meaning, who read the Haggadah where everybody else listened? And was Yotzeh through the concept of Shomeya Ka'oneh by listening? And who led the Haggadah? Amru Rabbi Yosef. And they said, Rabbi Yosef. So what do you see over here? Obviously, if he's exempt from the, uh, of the mitzvah, because he was blind, how can he be Motsi others? Now, the Gemara asks another question. Man da'amar aggata ben of sheshat. Who said the Haggadah in the house of Rav Sheshat, who was also blind? Amru Rav Sheshat. Rav Sheshat. That's a question. We're saying over that the Someh is Patur. And here you see that these two rabbis that were blind, they were Motsi others. How could they Motsi others if they're Patur? Kasabre, the Gebran says, you know why? Because they hold Rabbanan, or the rabbis hold Matzah Azeh the Rabbanan. Those rabbis hold that the obligation to eat matzah today is only rabbinical. Because today we don't have Kurma Pesach. And when was matzah de oraita? When you're eating it with the Kurma Pesach. Ah, why don't you tell me that the matzah today is Rabbanan? What is the matzah we said? The Hamoni. So therefore the Haggadah, Le'im Sha'onin, Ba'adim also is Midrabbanan. And therefore since the obligation over here is Midrabbanan, so therefore they held that they're obligated, let's say, which is they held that the in uh, uh, that uh, we have an exemption on a blind man, but the exemption of the blind man says what? That they're exempt, let's say, from the Torah obligation. However, Midrabanan, they're Hayav. And therefore they held that they're Hayav as well, Midrabanan, therefore they could be Motsi, the uh, obligation of their, uh, of their family members. So that was the logic of... Rav Yosef and Rav Sheshat. Again, that they held that telling over the story is Midrabanan, and therefore they held that it was permissible for them. Right? The Gezerah Shema only exempts them with the Ulaita, but the Hayah Midrabanan. So comes the Gebran says, Mikhlad Ravachabar Yaakov Savar, Matzah Bismanazid Ulaita. Hmm. Must be if Rabbi Ha'as said that a blind man is exempt from the Hayyuv of Haggadah, must be also that Haggadah in our time is also the right as well as the Matzah. And therefore he's totally exempt. What palm? Again, if Rabbi Ha'as tells you that a blind man is Patur from Haggadah, 
Most peels that what? Matzah bismana says deoraita, and therefore the Haggadah is deoraita. We have a Gizirah Shava exempting them from deoraita. Come on, Haggadah be. Ve'arav Agabar Yaakov, who the Amar Matzah bismana says Rabbanan. So what are you talking about? He's the one that said that Matzah bismana says Rabbanan. So the Gemara says, Kasabar called the Tikkun Rabbanan ke'en deoraita Tikkun. Yeah, he holds it's Rabbanan, but the rabbis fashioned their rabbinic law. Like the Torah law. And therefore, just like they're exempt from Torah law, they're exempt as well from rabbinic law. Which means we have a Gizrashiva Zezet to exempt them from the Torah, so they're exempt also. But Rabbanan, oh, the Gabbana says, Rav Sheshat, Rav Yosef, Nameh, Havadai called it Kun Rabbanan, Ken Deoraita Tikkun. Because what do you mean? According to that, Rav Sheshat and Rav Yosef, they read the Haggadah for their families. And what was their logic? Oh, they hold that there's an obligation on them with Rabbanan. What do you mean? If you hold called the Tikkun, Rabbanan, Ke'en, they write the Tikkun, they're really exempt. So how'd they read it for their families? So Kamsukhevran says, Hachi you really think that this is a legitimate Gezerah Shava that you made between the Ben Soreru Moreh and the, uh, and the um, Haggadah? It's not comparable. Pishtama Hatam. I understand by the Ben Soreru Moreh, Medehaba Lele Mechtab Benenu Hu. It didn't have to say the word ze. When the parents take the kid to the bed, they can say benenu hu soreru more. Why does it have to say ze? You know what it has to say ze? Uchti benenu ze shmarmina prat lesuminu. There we have a, a, an extra word that clearly excludes what? If the parents are blind. However, hu data. That's what it came for. Avalacha ilav ba'avur ze mai lichtov. Which means, what do you want the pasuk to write when he says, Ba'avur When it talks about the obligation to recall the Exodus, you have to say the word, Which is, obviously the Zeh is what? In order to fulfill the mitzvot of Matzah and Marot, Ba'avur God took us out of Mislayim. So therefore there was no option not to write the word, Zeh. So what's, what's the rabbi saying really over here? Hey, listen. We don't have a Kabbalah in your Gezerah Shavah. Because your Gezerah Shavah is, uh, is not comparable. You can't just take two words. It says Zeh over there, it says Zeh over there. Hold it. The Zeh by Ben Surah is extra. Because the Pasuk could have just said, Benenu Hu. It said Zeh, oh, Zeh is coming to you. Therefore, if the parents are blind, they, uh, there's no scenario of a Ben Surah Mureh. But over here it says, Ba'avur Zeh. What do you want to say? Ba'avur asa? Ba'avur what? You have to say Ba'avur zeh. What does it mean? Because of the matzah and the maror and the mitzvot, God took us out of Islam, which means that the whole purpose of coming out of Islam was in order to fulfill these mitzvot. Whereas the way the Rajbam says it, the Rajbam's lashon is, Lekach ani ochel matzah maror. Which means, Ba'avur, that's why I'm eating the matzah maror, to recall the miracles that God did for me. And therefore, since the word Zeh is necessary, you cannot use it to exclude Somin. So in conclusion, what happened? Rav Sheshat, he led the Seder. He fulfilled the obligation of his family, even though he was blind. Why? Because he held the Azim Mitzvah, the Rabbanan on him. And his family also, is also Hayab the Rabbanan. Because he held that the Haggadah in our, genera- in our times is what? The Rabbanan. The Rabbanan can be Motsi A. The Rabbanan. And therefore, he had no... Problem. Ah, you ask, well, call the tikkun rabbanan ke'en deoraita? He says, no. He held that there was never an exemption with deoraita. 
because she never had a gezerah shava because the cases of the ben sorer morers zeh and the ba'avur zeh of the gezerah is not comparable. That should be pointed out that from this gemara we have a seemingly a proof to what the Tosafot say that somebody that is exempt from a mitzvah if they want to uh, make a beracha they're able to make berachot even though they're not obligated because you see over here that let's say Rav Sheshat and <coughs> Rav Yosef who were blind even though let's say they were exempt because of their blindness, and a blind man is really patur from the mitzvot, still you say what? They did the mitzvah. So the Tosafot wants to bring this as a proof that you see a lady that's exempt from a mitzvah can also make the berachah if she wants. Blind men are patur from the mitzvot. But still what you see they? They did the mitzvah. They must have made berachot. Tosafot says no proof. He says a blind man is still has some sort of obligation because he's still part of the species of man. He's still a man. And therefore, you can't bring a proof to a lady who is totally exempt. So therefore, there is no really proof, uh, sound proof, between the blind man doing a mitzvah even though he's exempt, because you could say he's still from the mean of Zachar, he's still from this but uh, and and uh, the explanation of what it says is that a blind man, if you're not going to let him do these mitzvot, he'll be like a, a goy, which means he's not going to have any connection to Yadud. So that we have to let him do some of the mitzvot. But shaking a lady, a lady, she has enough mitzvot. And therefore the ones that she's exempt from, she would not have to make a berachah. That's so Sfot rejects this as a proof to his principle. Amen, amen.